This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Wednesday, April 26th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Today, the melting of California's historic snowpack intensifies, plus the religion gap between Congress and the American people. But first, the way forward for candidate Biden is today's one big thing. President Biden announced his 2024 campaign for re-election yesterday with a video, and it started with an image of the riots on January 6th and protesters outside the Supreme Court in support of abortion. You know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms, cutting Social Security that you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy. Here to break down what we can expect from President Biden's 2024 presidential campaign is Axios's national political correspondent, Alex Thompson. Hi, Alex. Hi. Welcome to Axios Today and Thank Axios. You. My first time. So President Biden released this video at 6 a.m. yesterday morning and then went about his day. Is that announcement and the way he did that a preview for what his campaign is going to look like? Yes, and that he is basically going to campaign by just being president. Essentially, you know, last time uh, his campaign because of COVID was sort of mocked as a quote unquote basement campaign. We're going to see a lot of that same stuff over the next 18 months, except instead of a basement, you're going to have the Rose Garden. You're going to have the presidential bully pulpit. And he's going to rely on that to try to get his message out and also hope that it is a little bit of a contrast with a little bit more of the uh, colorful Republicans that he'll probably be going against. How much of Biden's campaign will focus on running against Trump? He is trying to paint the entire Republican Party with the Trump brush. Now, in the ad, you heard him say the term MAGA extremists. And what you're seeing is that even though Trump isn't the nominee yet, Joe Biden is going to try to say that even if Trump isn't the nominee, this is just a Trump in a different suit. Biden received criticism in 2020 and is still receiving criticism about his age. How is he planning to address that during the campaign? The White House is going to try to do everything they can to have instances of him looking vigorous. But whether or not that's enough, you know, he's 80 right now, but he will be uh, 82 by the time that he would be inaugurated the next time. And he would be 86 by the time that he would leave the Oval Office at the end of the second term. So, you know, in some ways, it's an intractable problem because I think he would be almost renominated by acclamation and would be a decisive frontrunner if he was not 80. Um, but because he is, it's not really a problem you can solve. Vice President Kamala Harris's approval ratings are actually lower than President Biden. How will Team Biden be handling that? Yeah, she's been stuck mostly in the high 30s, whereas he's been sort of stuck in the in the low 40s. So, you know, they both their approval ratings aren't great. But, you know, the Biden team recognizes that Republicans, given his age, are going to try to argue that by reelecting Biden, there's a significant chance that you are electing Kamala Harris president. As a result, her low approval 
ratings mean that she's a drag on the ticket. So you're seeing a lot of White House personnel are helping the vice president's office in a way they weren't the first two years when both sides sort of saw each other with mutual distrust and um, anonymous backbiting and sniping. Alex Thompson is a national political correspondent in Axios. Thanks, Alex. Thanks so much. Longtime listener, first time caller. As we look ahead to future elections, recent data on the religious beliefs of our lawmakers may shed some light on the state of American politics today. Axios' race and justice reporter Russell Contreras has the story. Members of Congress are more Christian and more religious than the American public by a wide margin. This is important because this discrepancy, a trend that's also present in state legislatures, provides a window into why our politics and debates around abortion, trans rights, and other issues often don't reflect what the American public want. It also shows how this two-party system, a system that favors partisan primaries, favors candidates who openly professed faith. But right now, the number of people unaffiliated with their religion is growing. About 90% of those in Congress say they practice some form of Christianity, whether it's Catholicism, conservative evangelicalism, or any form of progressive Christianity. This is according to a survey by the Pew Research Center. But the nonpartisan Public Religion Research Institute's American Values Atlas survey found that only 64% of Americans identify as Christian. And that survey found that nearly 27% of the general public is unaffiliated. In Congress, that number is only 4%. You can find a link to Russell's reporting on this in our show notes. Coming up, communities face flood risks with California's Big Melt. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. This year, California has a near-record snowpack, and as it melts, communities are facing destructive floods. This week, with temperatures rising as much as 20 degrees above average, that so-called big melt is accelerating even more. Axios' Andrew Friedman is here with what this means for the state. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Nella. How is this year different when it comes to the snowmelt in California's snowpack? So the way it's supposed to work is that the snowpack that you put away in the Sierra Nevada mountains acts kind of like the savings account for California's drinking water, reservoirs, and agricultural lands for the dry season. The water gradually melts, goes through the series of highly manipulated and regulated reservoirs and channels and different water systems that they have in place, particularly in northern and central California. Normally, you would want kind of a steady amount of withdrawals from this snowbank, if you will. That is typically what happens. However, there have been other years where this was a near-record snowpack, and the result was very damaging flooding. 
We know that flooding is already occurring in many areas, and the snowpack that is sitting up there is like a water bomb waiting to go off that communities are really anxious about. How much water is up there? They measure the snowpack in what's called snow water equivalent, which is essentially a measure of the amount of water contained in the snow. If you were to suddenly melt this column of snow, this is how much water that would result. And right now in the southern Sierra, which is the most unusually deep snowpack, there's 55.4 inches of water sitting up there in frozen form that needs to melt out and will do so. If this melt happens so quickly, is there a risk of not just the extreme flooding, but losing some of that water? In terms of losing water, they're not as worried about capturing that water in reservoirs. The reservoir levels have already climbed steeply. Really, it's a matter of the risk of flooding here because it increases the risk that some levees will give way. Do you have concern about that infrastructure being able to handle this level of water? Yes. Not because the infrastructure wasn't well designed or isn't functioning properly today, but because it's going to be under stress for a prolonged period, which makes the probability of some sort of failure a little bit higher. So I think people need to understand that for many Californians, this is an unprecedented situation in their lifetime, depending on their age. The effects of whiplashing from drought to flood are potentially traumatic for a lot of people affected. Andrew Friedman covers climate and energy for Axios. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Before we go, a hat tip to Harry Belafonte, the singer, actor, and civil rights activist who died yesterday at 96. As a Caribbean-American, I know I have a special attachment and pride about his heritage, but it's his work in this country that made history. Belafonte was the first single artist to sell more than a million copies of an album, Calypso. Here's one of my favorites, Women Smarter. smarter. And of course, in his later life, his support of the civil rights movement included putting up seed money for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and maintaining a life insurance policy on his friend, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., helping to ensure the King family's financial security after his assassination. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Please stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs> 